This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Indeed. It's Thursday, March 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me today, Mr. Jason Moser. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Nice to be here. We're going to dip into the full mailbag. We're going to talk airlines. We're going to talk restaurants. We have a sudden CEO departure that I want to get your take on, but we've got to start <laughs> with the, the big macro, and that is the news that... Well, it's the one-two punch, right? We've got the the Senate approving the massive two trillion dollar stimulus package, and we also have three point three million people filing for unemployment. This is, for context, this is not only uh, an all-time record. This is four times the record that was set back in nineteen eighty-two. <laughs> so this is this is a massive number and an indication that. Uh, even with the stimulus package being approved by the Senate, things are going to get a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree there. I think, um, I mean, in, in a, a world of nothing but bad news uh, lately, this certainly is good news. It's a step in the right direction. I think it's it's um, something that obviously needs to happen. I know that two trillion dollars sounds like a lot of money, um, and it is to put it into context. That's uh, our or. GDP domestically here in 2019 was around 21 and a half trillion dollars so that can give you an idea I suspect we'll see the um, we'll see that two trillion dollar number go up over time as well but I mean I, I think this is this is investors need to be encouraged by this I know I certainly am I mean this is at least a little bit of certainty in what has has been a world of uncertainty lately and I think it it starts to um, address some of the bigger problems out there right now, getting direct payments to folks that need it the most right now, boosting unemployment insurance uh, for folks who clearly need it the most right now, given the numbers we just saw this morning. Um, it, it brings you know support to small and large businesses around the country that really will need it. Um, I, I, I do like the fact that they you know threw in there, hey, listen, the president's businesses Members of Congress, family members, your businesses can't benefit from this. They threw that provision in there. I mean, it's not just the president in there. I mean, it's the vice president, it's heads of executive departments, it's members of Congress. Um, suspending federal student loan payments through September 30th with no accrual of interest on those loans. I, another another good thing, uh, being that it's just uh, the end of, of March or coming up on the end of March here. That's a significant amount of time. And... Um, Again, going back to, I think this is a great first step. I would encourage investors to not look at this as uh, just just one step that solves the problem. Because I, I think personally, I mean, we're going to need to figure out a way to um, live in a world here where COVID nineteen is is kind of part of the deal for a while. Um, this isn't something where as, as soon as summer hits, it's just over. I think this is going to be something that takes a little bit longer. Um, hopefully, not much longer, but but it's a big response to a big problem. Now it moves on to the House of Representatives. So hopefully by uh, by the end of this week, uh, this will all be settled and we'll have some more certainty. The market reacting today, uh, definitely to the news out of the Senate. You look at the S and P 500 up about five percent so far today. Uh, the Dow Jones as well. So so hopefully hopefully we keep this going. Um, let's let's get to uh, you know before we get into the mailbag. Let's uh, let's talk about Groupon because. Shares of Groupon are up 10% on the news that uh, Rich Williams, who's the CEO, and Steve Kresner, who's the chief operating officer, 
are leaving immediately. Yeah. And we don't really have a lot of other details other than uh, Groupon is saying both remain employed by the company. There's no comment from Groupon at this point on the reason for the changes. I'm, I've never been more interested in Groupon. I mean, this, <laughs> this, the CEO and the COO are walking out the door or, or are leaving those jobs immediately and the stock goes up 10%. Well, I mean, you could certainly make the argument that they weren't really getting the job done, right? I mean, if you look at Groupon's, if you look at just the fundamentals of the business, I mean, we've talked about Groupon ever since they went public. And it, what was it? Alphabet offered was it around three billion, or was it six billion dollars that they that they offered for Groupon back in the day? It, it, it was some ungodly number up. in the I'll context of things. Yeah, I mean, when we when we look at the state of Groupon now, I mean, clearly. In hindsight, they should have taken that deal um, because I mean, you know, this is revenue is 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 winding down, right? I mean, the revenue growth is is non-existent. It's it's um it's not a profitable company. I mean, this is a company that's facing a lot of challenges, and so you don't really know why management leaves. I'm sure this is probably a bit of a response to just to the the greater market reaction we've had over here uh, over the past um, several days. And, and you know we've seen this play out before with other companies. I mean, J.C. Penney obviously has gone through a lot of leadership changes, and we've seen when former leaders step down and new leaders step in. I mean, there is some enthusiasm because maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel there. Um, I, I don't know in Groupon's case that's really something investors should expect. I do think it's really fascinating to look at. So so. The Aaron Cooper is gonna gonna step in as the interim CEO while the company ultimately looks for a, a permanent CEO, and it's possible that, that Mr. Cooper gets that job at the end of the day. But it, it you know he he was awarded and he's gonna receive an award of four million restricted restricted share units um, for this, and I mean it vests over over time. It, you know, four million restricted share units sounds like a lot. But but then you look at where Groupon's stock is today at just under a dollar, and well maybe that doesn't look as as great as it sounds um, on paper. And I mean he's he's going to obviously get um, a salary and a bonus um, and and an extremely challenging role uh, in trying to figure out this company's place in our world because you know I think before there was maybe at least the argument that Groupon possesses some brand equity that that. Maybe a bigger network out there could exploit and benefit from. I'm not so sure that's really even the case now. Uh, and so, I, you know, I mean, market pop today, notwithstanding, I'm not sure this really should should uh, make you feel any better about either owning shares or potentially owning shares. But but you know, hey, listen, it could certainly be wrong. I mean, Mr. Cooper could have a plan in place and you know, bring more value to the company. And we've said all along, uh, certainly back in the early days uh, of the previous decade, that one thing Groupon had going for it in the daily deal space was they had the best name. I mean, Groupon's just the best name, as opposed to Living Social or some of the others that were out there. But they turned down $6 billion from Google in the fall of 2010. Six, and okay. yeah. $6 billion. And at the time, they were on a run rate of $2 billion. And they said, ah, we think we're worth more than three times our run rate. And as it turns out, uh, as of this moment, they're worth uh, less than one-tenth of what Google offered them. I mean, the market cap, even with this pop today, is still about $550 million. So, 
Yeah, a fraction of what it, a fraction of what it was worth, and and I mean, I, for what it's worth, I do agree with you. I think for all of the challenges in in just this market in general, right? I don't know that that the daily deal space is all that attractive as a space to begin with, but I do agree. Like they 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 possess the no brainer name and brand in the space. I mean, Living Social sounds like a sitcom from the nineteen eighties. And you're not even sure really what they're trying to, to to do there, right? I mean, is it a social network? Are they trying to sell you a deal? I mean, you don't even know what they're doing. I mean, Groupon, it's very clear. And, and that's, you know, it's a shame to see a business like like that with a branding like that uh, fall on, on such hard times because there, there was so much potential in the branding there. Um, but it just goes to show, I mean, that's one of the things we focus on as investors when we're looking for companies, uh, you know, to, to, to recommend to our members, we're looking at the overall market opportunity because no matter how attractive one particular business could seem or an idea may seem, you, you need to look at that broader market opportunity, look at the economics of that market opportunity to really see how that could play out in the, in the, in the future. Because, um, even back then, I mean, you, you could look at this particular market and there were a lot of red flags just kind of wondering, all right, it's really all about saving people money and bringing the cost down for everybody. So, then how does this company really end up making um, a meaningful amount of money? And then how does that trickle down to investors at the, at the end of the day? And, and clearly, to this point, it hasn't. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Michael Wiseman, who writes, there's been a lot of coverage so far on how much the airlines have spent on stock buybacks in the last several years. But why can't this work in reverse? I know no one wants to buy high and sell low, but we didn't neglect their balance sheet, and it seems like there are other levers to pull before they go to the public coffers to get some runway. And then he adds parenthetically, "Yes, that pun was intentional." Um, uh, <laughs> why don't Why don't the airlines issue more stock? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a good question. It's certainly um, issuing shares is certainly an option, but I mean, there are plenty of ripple effects that come with that too. And in a perfect world, you want to issue shares um, when your stock is performing well, right? You're 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 sort of using a a uh, more valuable form of currency there as it stands right now. And I mean, airlines aren't the only ones, but but certainly their stocks are very depressed, and and the the options right now don't look all that great given what we know um, about the state of the, about the state of, tra- of the travel industry today. Now, I mean, it does ultimately come down to cost-benefit. Cost-benefit is the key there. And if the government is able to provide a solution that's more attractive, well, you know, as, as, as a management team, you have to look at that and think, well, is this worth taking? And I mean, I think it ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, when we look at this legislation that cleared the Senate here and, and what the airlines are going to get, I mean, the airlines are going to get a significant amount of money, obviously, to keep their operations afloat. Part of the money that they're going to getting, part of the money they're going to be getting Ultimately, is is in the form of grants, which will then be uh, connected, perhaps to listing uh, warrants or options or preferred stock or something like that. Um, and so that's all to say, ultimately, that at the end of the day, this really is like they're issuing shares to raise capital. They're just essentially using the U.S. government to underwrite the offering. And at this point, that probably is the best option because if they go to the if they go to the markets to try to issue shares. I mean, how attractive of an offering is that right now? You, you really don't know, particularly when when you add the dynamic of the government having a role to play here. So, I, I, I'd imagine if, if you're running an airline right now, you're looking at the cost-benefit analysis there, and you're figuring, well, hey, you've probably got the most solid partner there in the U.S. government willing to take a stake and help you keep your operations running. 
that's probably the safest bet, um, not only for the businesses to be able to keep running, but ultimately, and we're thinking much longer term here, but for shareholders uh, to, to still see some, some sort of light at the end of the tunnel there as well. Let's wrap up with uh, Cheesecake Factory, uh, one of the great ticker symbols out there, which is just simply <laughs> cake. Uh, Cheesecake Factory in the headlines because they've told their landlords, uh, we're not going to be able to pay rent on April 1st. Yeah. And uh, David Overton, the CEO there, is you know trying to work with landlords and asking for their assistance, asking for their patience. But uh, it's it's a it's a bold move by him, and uh, and I don't blame him one bit, Jason. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, um, it, I mean, I, I'm just having been a landlord before, I mean, not to this level, but having um, we, you know, we rented our house out down in in Georgia for about seven years after we moved up to Virginia when when I took the job here at the Fool, and I mean, we we did that just because we could, right? I mean, we just figured, hey, I'd try. Uh, being a landlord, see how that worked out. And and ultimately, you know, seven years worked out very well. No litigation. We walked out of there without someone trying to completely ruin our lives. Um, it, but I'll tell you, throughout that, that entire seven years, that thought hung over my head like, man, I hope we don't run into someone trying to uh, pursue like some frivolous litigation or something like that. But, but it, it is all just to say that being a landlord is very hard. And one of the priorities, I think, is you really want to make sure you keep that property occupied. I mean, there's a lot involved with turning a property over. And, and I mean, I just saw that on on the level of one house. I mean, imagine 300-plus restaurants. And furthermore, 300-plus restaurants that are really designed in a format to fit a specific vision, right? I mean, the Cheesecake Factory is, is a specific restaurant, a specific brand. They have a specific vision for the way they want those restaurants to look. And so we're at a point now where I mean, if this were normal times and the cheesecake factory was just running up into a financial problem, and they were the exception, then the landlord might have a little bit more to think about here. But but everybody is basically in the same boat here right now, um, and and so that makes it a little bit more difficult for a landlord to say, okay, well you know what, if you're not going to pay your rent, we're just going to boot you out and we're going to release this spot because. Who, who first and foremost is going to, you know, come in there and, and lease that property from you, and and then assuming you find uh, a tenant at that scale, you've got to think about all the costs involved with remodeling and uh, you know bringing new tenants into the fold. There, there's just a lot of frictional costs involved there, and so when you look at the Cheesecake Factory, they they lease all of their restaurant locations, and they lease those restaurant locations with. Basically, generally speaking, initial terms of 10 to 20 years plus two five-year renewal options. Now, if you look in their 10K, their weighted average remaining lease term is 16.6 years. So, that just goes to tell you that they've got a lot of, of, of deals out there in place that still have a lot of time left on them. A landlord is going to look at that and you say, you know what, given the situation today, the way things look for everybody, it, it probably doesn't behoove us to boot these tenants out because things will get better, and we still have a lot of years left uh, with them as tenants. We're going to be able to, to still recoup a lot of of that lease obligation there if we keep these people. So I would imagine this was really a shrewd move on on the part of Cheesecake Factory's management. I I, I applaud them for it. I think they're going to actually walk away from this from this uh, in, in a pretty good position, and I would not be surprised at all 
to see other companies, whether it's restaurant or retail. I mean, I just wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see other companies jump in there and take this same stance because it, 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 the negotiating the negotiating uh, leverage here is is definitely um, a little bit different than it would be in normal times. Have you ever been to a cheesecake factory? Oh yeah. Have you ever? I've never been. Come on, really? No, and I, I, you know, I'm a fan of the the namesake product. Big fan well, of cheesecake. Just never actually been to the restaurant. I'll tell you, man. I so I cheesecake factory has been around for a while, and I do remember going to them when I was when I was younger. And um, I mean, generally speaking, it's a restaurant. You know, they had pretty good food and whatnot. Not bad and everything. Massive portions. Um, but yeah, like you, I'm a big fan of cheesecake, and I don't eat it all that often because clearly it's not that good for you. And I kind of approach cheesecake the way I do nutter butters. If I just don't keep them in the house, then that prevents me from eating it. Uh, but one year, and this was this was while we were up here in Virginia. One year, my wife actually ordered. A Snickers Cheesecake Factory cheesecake, a whole cheesecake for my birthday, and had it sent to our house. And so it came to our house packed in dry ice. It's this massive, you know, twenty thousand calorie cheesecake. And uh, you know, so it, we we were thankfully that freezes very well. We were able to freeze it and keep it for a while. Um, and, and you know, you take one of those slices and you can cut it in half and share it with your spouse. I think that's more than plenty. But I, yeah, the restaurant's okay. The cheesecake is sublime. I, I definitely recommend it. Uh, now I'm just hungry. All right, we're going to wrap up. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.